0: Hey, goal getters. This is Kristen Guile of the We Got Goals podcast. Today, you are going to hear me talking to Ryan Horwath. Ryan Horwath is on the board of directors for Sitka Salmon Shares, and they bring wild Alaskan seafood straight from their fisherman's collective to your doorstep, and they do this. Uh, in a way that is similar to a CSA for a farmer's market, if you've ever heard of those. They allow members to purchase their very own shares of the harvest before the fishing season begins, and then they use those as pre-orders to determine how much fish the fishermen catch, which helps prevent overfishing and also lets the fishermen bring in highest quality fish that they have because they can be a little bit more choosy. So, like I said, Ryan is on the board of directors for Sitka Salmon Shares, and he also serves as the Kodiak fleet manager and the Western New York coordinator helping Sitka Salmon get into different farmers markets and various locations where they can find the people who are interested in this service. So today, Ryan and I talked about big goals that they've had in the past for Sitka Salmon Shares. He also really broke down the basics of sustainable fishing in very clear and easy-to-understand terms, and I knew very little about it, so you know that he really kept it simple for me. Uh, He also talks about how consumers can support sustainable fishing, uh, why transparency is having such a moment, especially in the Midwest, and why people are becoming much more informed about where their fish come from, And finally, he sort of breaks down the difference between farmed fish and wild-caught salmon. And a lot of those differences I had no idea about, and it was really shocking to hear him say uh, what we can see coming up from the FDA in terms of what they're allowing genetically modified fish to be sold in our grocery stores. So listen for that. And then finally, if you were a person on the internet in the past couple of weeks, you maybe saw the fish tube video uh, that shows – fishermen uh, getting in the river and shooting the salmon up this pneumatic tube and across the dam and set to a variety of songs. And it was a great meme. I highly encourage you to look it up if you have not seen it yet. I'll link to it in our show notes. Uh, But I asked Ryan about the fish tube to get his official expertise on it. So enjoy this interview with Ryan Horwath of Sitka Salmon Shares. Oh, and one more thing. If you are in the Chicago area, you might have a chance to participate in a contest that Sitka Salmon Shares is running. They are doing a recipe contest. You can find out more about it on their website, SitkaSalmonShares.com. But basically, all you need to do is email your complete wild Alaskan seafood recipe to recipes at SitkaSalmonShares.com, complete with ingredients and instructions. It's got to be an original recipe. Uh, just one entry per person, and they'll select five finalists. Uh, and I am one of the judges. So. Make me a really great salmon recipe, and I might try to make it myself. And if you win, you'll be invited to join the fishermen on an all-expenses paid trip to Sitka in the spring of 2020. So look for that. Come up with the best salmon recipe you've got and enjoy this episode, goal getters.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm
1: just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when
0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to We Got Goals. Uh, We talk to high achievers about their goals and their goal-setting process. I am Kristen Guile, and today I'm speaking with Ryan Horwath of Sitka Salmon Shares. Ryan is the Kodiak Fleet Manager, and he's also the Western New York Coordinator for their Farmer's Markets. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing good. Good. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, I got introduced to you through... A very interesting email that I got in my inbox a few weeks ago asking if I wanted to be a judge in a salmon recipe tasting contest. And I've never said yes to anything so fast in my life. I was honored <laughs> that somebody would care about what I thought about salmon recipes. Uh, and then once I realized it was for Sitka Salmon, I was like, oh, wow, I actually know a lot of people in Chicago who use this service and who really love it. So I was so excited to be connected with you.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great company to be a part of.
0: Uh, Ryan, could you tell me a little bit about Sitka Salmon Shares and the work that you guys are doing with Alaskan seafood?
1: Sure. So, um, so Sitka Salmon Shares is bringing fish that was, um, usually hard to get, um, to consumers directly right to their door. And, Um, For me, as a small boat fisherman, it's been it's been life changing, Um, not only because I I joined the company uh, in a few different capacities, but also because um, it's fishermen in Kodiak and Sitka, our way of life is changing because we're getting a higher price. And um, the consumer is not paying tremendously uh, much more than they would normally. But um, we're taking better care of our fish. And we're getting a higher price at the dock.
0: Amazing! And how did you come up to be in the fisherman business?
1: So my my story is um, kind of interesting. I had an uncle that fished in Alaska, and I grew up in Western New York. And he would he would drive down after a king crab season with all this king crab, and
0: he would drive down from Alaska.
1: Yeah, he would he would drive all the way from Kodiak, Alaska, down to uh, Rochester, New York. Oh my God! And he would. Yeah, he could do it in three days. It was pretty amazing. He was, that was uh, a
0: long haul.
1: Pedal to the metal, and he'd come down, and all the adults would gorge themselves on King Crab because it was the King Crab capital of the world at that time. Yeah. And that was sort of my first introduction to seeing how things are changing because now you don't even have a King Crab fishery in Kodiak. Like they are totally just barely surviving. So, and is that um, because of
0: overfishing or what's caused that?
1: So, the, the fishermen will say that the scientists didn't manage it well, and then the, the scientists will say that they overfished it. Um, there's a few things that happen, and there, there's, there wasn't that much cod in the 70s, and now there's a lot of cod, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of other predators that weren't there before. So there's, there's always a state of flux going on in the ocean, and so to say what exactly it was um, could be argued for the ages, mm-hmm. but uh, we just know that everything's changing.
0: And that's one of the reasons that Sitka salmon shares is such a, a great idea because the people who are members can sort of pre-order their shares of the harvest before fishing begins. So the fishermen won't overfish and that sort of determines how much they catch, right?
1: Yeah. And that's that's huge for us because the old model was we would, as fishermen, we would go out and catch as much as we can. We'd get a very low price and then hopefully the processors could find a market for it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that would go over to another country get processed using, you know, questionable methods and, um, sent back over here for low prices. Um, now we know exactly how much to go catch. And when we're done harvesting, um, our members orders, we stop fishing. So awesome! Uh, definitely, we lay off the resource, let them recover and, uh, provide a better product too, because we're not as, uh, like I said before, we're not as, um, we don't have to catch a full load. We can concentrate on what we do catch and and take good care of it.
0: Great. Well, I want to come back to that for sure later on talking about how you guys get that high quality and more about the basics of sustainable fishing. But let's start off with one of the first big questions we ask everybody who comes on the podcast. So what is a big goal that you've had in the past? Why was it important to you? And how did you get there?
1: Well, uh, getting our fish and our story from Alaska down to my friends in the places I grew up. And so actually salmon shares is helping me do that. I tried to do it on my own and it was just, um, just Mm -hmm. too hard, especially at the time there wasn't this great food movement that's going on and there wasn't as many consumers that cared about where their food came from. So I kind of feel like, uh, the timing of this whole thing and meeting salmon shares. um, was really instrumental in making that happen.
0: Let's start at the beginning. Can you sort of explain to me as if I was probably a 10 year old, I think would be a good thing to aim for. Uh, Tell me about Mm -hmm. the basics of sustainable fishing, sort of the history of commercial fishing and how it's changed in recent years um, to the landscape that it is currently.
1: Yeah, so one of the oldest methods of catching a fish is a hook on a line and that's been done for centuries.
0: Great. I'm following you. Yep. Perfect. <laughs>
1: so that is the way we fish. And that to me seems like a long-term sustainable way of catching these fish because they say that we catch one out of five fish that are down there using that method. Some of the differences in the way um, industrial agriculture and fishing has, has influenced the fishery is that they use these giant nets now, which catch everything in their path. And then they're sorted out and a lot of there's a lot of waste involved. Mm-hmm um every method even those big nets they have sensors they have cameras they can they can do it more sustainably than they are doing it but the pressure to to catch a lot at a low price um really is, is the problem you know it's not really about um how you're fishing but it's who's fishing
0: mm-hmm. and then what are some of those you know dangerous consequences that happen with those big industrial fishing and catching all of that waste um and overfishing what how does that affect the rest of the ecosystem
1: so we don't know actually all the all the the repercussions of that that's
0: scary
1: right we 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 know very little about the ocean we know more about the moon and and mars even at this point than we knew we do about the ocean so one thing that's for sure is that it just wipes out indiscriminately it just destroys everything in its path and we don't know how long it takes for those ecosystems to recover
0: yeah, that is terrifying. Uh, just not knowing those consequences and, you know, just sort of barreling through and doing what we think is most cost effective or most convenient or the best for getting the most to the most people. That's really scary.
1: Yeah. And that's, um, that's, that's a consequence of, um, you know, cheap protein. And, and this, this concept of you can have whatever you want, whenever you want. Um, this, you know, taking into account the seasonality of of fish runs for the wild stocks, um, which the Sika Salmon Shares members are very um, open to. They understand, and that's why you can't get every single fish you want every month of the year. I think eating seasonally is is going to be a, a topic um, that we need to revisit and, and is something we should focus on because that's a way to lay off the resources and let them recover and and go through their natural cycles.
0: So. Yes, we talk about eating seasonally a lot on dot sweatlife.com. And you know, we'll do seasonal produce guides and like what you should be cooking during the fall and during the spring. But I honestly didn't realize until very recently that the same thing applied to salmon or to cod or to other wild seafood. Can you give us a little bit of a rundown of like what the right season is like what people should be thinking about if they want to make a change in their eating habits and eat seafood more uh, seasonally?
1: Yeah, so so salmon run in the summer. Oh, that's okay. that's their primary um, spawning times. So there is fisheries for king salmon during the winter, but they're usually pretty small. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we handle our fish on board and the way that we freeze them really fast gives us some flexibility because we freeze them and we capture that freshness sometimes forty five minutes out of the water. So wow. Um, yeah, so so that gives us a lot of, you know, modern technology really helps us to have uh, kind of a buffer so that people can have a little more variety throughout the year. But generally, um, you're going to get your salmon in the summer. Uh, cod is generally caught in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, you can catch them all year, but when when people switch gear types, uh, they usually harvest this, these giant runs of salmon um, in the summer. In fact, I think Bristol Bay had another record year in some areas, millions of pounds of of fish
0: oh my god uh,
1: again so it's funny uh, there's also around the corner on the Alaska Peninsula um, there was a, a record you know shortage of sockeye salmon so it's it's there's definitely a lot going on in the ocean and it's important to to recognize that and be flexible in your eating habits um, if one species is more abundant than another it's important to uh, be flexible and try to focus on what's what's in season and what's, what's doing well.
0: Well, and you were also saying earlier that because your fishermen only catch as much fish as they have those shares or those orders for, you guys are able to be a little bit more discerning when it comes to quality, right?
1: Absolutely. So when I go fishing, I, I jig fish for rockfish. And I know that our members have pre-ordered, you know, um, X amount of pounds. And once we get, even from when I catch the first fish, I know that we have that much to catch. So I slow down and I'm not trying to load the boat. I'm just trying to make sure that every fish that comes on board is the best one Mm -hmm. that our members are going to get. And that's what the rest of the fleet does as well.
0: And you think that's what sets Sitka salmon apart from any salmon that you're buying wild caught at a regular grocery store?
1: Absolutely. And the other part of it is we can trace it back to the boat. Um, Most of those folks at the seafood counter can't really tell you where those other fish came from and I can tell you from my experience that a lot of those fish sat in the Sun for a bunch of hours waiting to be unloaded because the guy filled his boat or girl there's a lot of women running boats these days which is great love it yeah no that's a great that's a great trend uh because when I my uncle would come down to you know Rochester and I said something about you know he wanted me to go fishing with him and I said well what about you know bringing my girlfriend up or something he said ah uh, this is no place oh. for a woman you know and, and that was kind of the the sentiment in the, in the seventies and eighties, it was a pretty rough, rough and tumble Old
0: boy club, yeah. place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some women that, and they're, they're still around. They're still up there and they're, they're just as tough as any of the men were. That's yeah. for sure.
0: That's amazing. Uh, how many of you all, fishermen are women or percentage roughly?
1: For ticket salmon chairs. I'm not even sure. Um, and, and you know, the term fishermen gets used for, for fisher women. <laughs> fisher fisher women.
0: Folks.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. They, they've, They've, I think, collectively decided that yeah, it's fisherman is okay. the term, um, man or woman. Okay. So, uh, I know that I know that in the in the lower forty eight, we we get some blowback on that, sure. but I, I think up there, it's generally accepted that that fisherman is, is a universal okay. term. Okay, I'm
0: glad that I am being um, appropriate with my gender naming of the profession. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a term that I, I've never actually said the word fisherwoman out loud before this very moment. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. It's just—it's a few extra
0: syllables, but uh, glad to know that I'm doing Mm -hmm. the right thing. Uh, Ryan, could you also tell me a little bit about the difference between farmed salmon versus that wild-caught salmon? Um, Is there a difference in quality? Is it different in terms of the sustainability aspect?
1: So the the first thing is um, the coloring. They have to add color to the feed to get the flesh the desired color which in my opinion you should they add color
0: to the farmed salmon
1: yeah generally you'll see you'll see color added on the label um so they can get it that nice that nice red color which happens naturally with the with the wild stocks um oh weird that's the first difference and then the second would be a lot of times they're full of antibiotics to 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 ward off the parasites that are naturally gonna attack these huge concentrations of fish that um you know, they're all cooped together in a net pen, uh, as many as they can get in there. Uh, and so n- normally the wild fish will not have those issues because they're out, you know, swimming by themselves a lot of times or mm-hmm. more, more sparse schools. So that's another issue is uh, antibiotics in the fish. And then the other one is uh, this genetically modified fish, which is going to be legal to consume for the first time in the United States. Um, with limited labeling. So the FDA passed that um, it's okay for us to eat genetically modified farmed salmon. And that's that's frightening to me. Um, and especially since we have this great, wild, sustainable stock. that has been going on for you know, hundreds of years. And uh, we can keep going with it if uh, we keep things like pebble mine. Uh, that's a big issue. And, and what uh, is that? Pebble mine is, is a... Uh, copper and gold mine that wants to go in at the headwaters of Bristol Bay. Um, the big problem is they they could do it in a way that doesn't impact the salmon runs, but historically that has not been the case. And so we just say err on the side of caution and, and let them find another place to go mining. But big business has, uh, really stepped in and the EPA just, you know, got rid of some, uh, Obama era, um, restrictions on that and so so they're closer than ever to being able to go through with this so it's frightening
0: scary let's talk a little bit more about the consumer because you touched on something earlier that i think you hit the nail on the head um consumers right now are really into transparency and knowing exactly where their food comes from what went in who even like who caught it who raised it Is that transparency something that is a big value of Sitka salmon and how do you guys work to educate the consumer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's another um, thing that I've been working on with, um, we're trying to implement technology that can trace fish back to the boat. And for me as a fisherman, it's really important because I treat my fish really well, but I do know some other fisher folks that do not. And, uh, I really want to separate my fish from theirs. Um, from a regulatory standpoint, you know, people lie about where they fish and sometimes they over harvest in one area and then um, say they caught it in another area. So we like to really, I, I think we should just put it all out there and see who's catching what and where and when. Um, consumers are, are now more receptive to it because they can see that there's so much illegal, unregulated, and unreported fishing going on. There's stories every other week about you know, slave labor ships in, in, in Southeast Asia or, or the Indian ocean that have uh, captured folks and made them work for months on end in terrible conditions just to go offload to a barge that gets, um, sent somewhere else. And, uh, yeah, it's frightening.
0: Um, and what you also just said was about how the government, the FDA is going to allow GMO genetically modified salmon, uh, with very minimal labeling. Do you have any advice for consumers as to like what labels they should be looking for or signs that their salmon was caught, you know, ethically and sustainably?
1: Yeah, I would say ask the folks at the seafood counter um, where the fish came from. If they could trace it to the boat, that would just reinforce our whole mission because we can trace ours back to the boat. Um, Generally, the big players cannot. It's becoming an issue for some bigger seafood companies. I've seen them try to implement this but it's very tough for them you know at the industrial scale to really pinpoint where it exactly came from which is again frightening
0: yeah it seems like you guys have an advantage there you can be a little more nimble a little more it's um, just a little bit more honest and a little more transparent with a smaller fleet than those big industrial complexes
1: absolutely yeah in this case our size is our advantage you know um, better quality and uh, we don't have to catch as much and you You can find out right where it came from.
0: Awesome. Uh, Well, let's switch tracks just slightly. Uh, I read in your bio that you have an associate's degree in film and video. So coupling that, I need to ask you about the viral video that has been taking over my Twitter feed this past week about the salmon shooting through the fish tubes across the dam. Uh, For those of you who have not (laughs) seen it, I'll link to it in our blog post and in our show notes. But what it basically shows, and Ryan, you can jump in here anytime to tell me if I am uh, describing this incorrectly, but it shows fishermen putting these huge salmon through a pneumatic tube, kind of similar to what um, you would put in the drive through bank direct deposit, where you shoot the, the deposit up <laughs> through the tube and into the bank. Um, but these fish yeah. are traveling across dams, and um, a journey that I guess used to take a few days is now done in minutes. and. There's a lot of great content out there, but I'm curious as to what you know about this. I know it's an old video, um, but tell me everything that you know, basically.
1: I don't know much more than what you know about it. I saw that video the other day. I've never seen it in real life. I know there's been um, multiple attempts to get fish around these dams, um, fish ladders, and uh, I don't even know what else. So that was probably Fish and Game that was doing that. Mm -hmm. That's generally who handles these kind of projects. And I think it's um, pretty experimental. I think it w- it will help. Uh, anything that can get those fish to where they need to go to spawn um, is a good thing. So that that's great that they're being innovative. But I can't. Im- I didn't see how they landed. It, it seems to me like it could be just really disastrous. Or if there's a bear on the other side with his mouth open.
0: <laughs> that bear would uh, um, know. be very ahead of the evolutionary curve <laughs> if you figured that out. Uh, right. and like They shot them right. straight into the water, just like not that high above. So hopefully they had um, a smooth landing. Um, but there's a lot of great variations up there. I personally like the one where it's uh, set to the tune of the Shallow song from As Far Is Born. That is my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. You have a particular favorite, Ryan, or are you just going to go with all? I haven't,
1: I haven't seen all the varieties. I just saw the one and I was, I was impressed with that. Oh I thought that was great.
0: Anything to raise awareness to the cause I think is great. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the second question that we ask everyone who comes on our podcast. So Ryan, what is a big goal that you have for the future and why is it important to you and how do you think you'll get there?
1: So my goal, especially as it relates to salmon shares, is to see um, salmon shares not so much as being, you know, some big company, but more of a platform for consumers to reach the source of their seafood. I I see it as just another way for for us to connect and to educate the public on issues going on in Alaska and um, from the other small boats around the country that, that we'll be sourcing our fish from. And that's uh that's happening. I mean, we're 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 growing and um you know, in the Midwest, people really care about their food. It's it's amazing to me how, how much in the Midwest we've grown. Um of course I'm a little removed out here in Western New York, but um just having that option of of having a, a sustainably sourced, responsible protein
0: is I think huge. you're right, and that it is a very Midwestern food trend right now for people to care about where their food comes from. And I I think you can kind of trace it back to just the Midwest being that classic farmland where people, you know, know their farmers, they're used to seeing, uh, where their food comes from. And I think you're right on track to take advantage of that mindset.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's good. It's a good thing to be a part of, um, Western New Yorkers. Uh, they probably got a little catch up to do, but, um, they're coming along. That's
0: all right. They'll get there. Um, maybe now would be a good time for you to just sort of walk us through how the program works. Uh, where people can go to find out more information and uh, what the shares look like once you guys start fishing and delivering them to your customers.
1: Yeah, so basically consumers or anyone interested can go on com and check out what share uh, best fits their needs. There's also a YouTube site and a Vimeo site um, that show how we're catching the fish, when we catch them, why we're doing it. Um, they're all full of informative videos how to cook them. We have a boat boat deck cooking series that's on there now. It's pretty entertaining. Oh,
0: fun.
1: Yeah. And so so basically a consumer gets on there and they, they can see that we ship generally April through December. Okay. And they can choose what size share they want and what variety of fish they want. Okay. Every share has a different mix. Um, we have one that's all salmon. That's the original salmon share that started the company. And then we moved into whitefish, like halibut, black cod, gray cod, and some of the black bass, which I catch in Kodiak. Um, and then there's um, a mix of all that stuff, and, and including uh, we have spot prawns and the occasional random sale of crab or whatever else we caught that was in season and was in high abundance. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that gets offered to our members first. And then if, if it makes it past them, which it usually doesn't, then we, <laughs> we open it up to the general public.
0: Nice I wanted to give you a listener shout out uh, so one of our coworkers husbands max is a big fan of yours and he sent me a list of things that he wanted to tell you and ask you so I've hit some of those questions but he wanted me to commend you specifically on a product that was he said salmon pieces scraped from the backbone of the fish are you familiar yes yeah he said salmon that was, burger meat yeah uh, he said that it was amazing meat and that it, he loved that it wasn't like necessarily in a pretty fillet, and that it really used the whole fish. Um, so he wanted to know if you guys would be continuing that, and he wanted to commend you on the originality of the product.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's the salmon burger meat's been a huge hit. Um, sounds, and
0: I'm really hungry right now, so that's sounding great.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's and it's really easy to make. You know, burgers out of it. You can put it in your in your eggs in the morning, or I have a friend that just ate it raw. It's all really sushi grade, so you could. You could literally just, just thaw it out and eat it as is. So.
0: Oh, oh I love um, it. I uh, have a sushi making kit that is grossly underused in my kitchen. So that's great to know.
1: There's always a risk in any any you know, raw yeah, product. Cover your I bases,
0: think. but yes. Yep. <laughs> awesome. And then what's next for you guys? Are you guys gonna explore any other like fish products, like any sort of jerkies or um, any expansion? Are you gonna, you know, focus on what you guys are already doing really well?
1: We're probably going to focus on what we're doing really well. Um, Just, you know, our our growth and the response we've been having has been so much that we should probably just try to get that, you know, nailed down. We we do pretty good at the scale we're at, but the scale we're going for, um, we definitely need to um, put some better processes in place and just think about um, taking on more fishermen to provide enough fish for everybody.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Well, I'm so proud of what you guys are doing. And one more time, so people can find you at SitkaSalmonShares.com. And then where in the Chicago area can they find you and learn more about you in person?
1: Well, actually, I'm probably not the guy to ask for that. Right, <laughs> I, uh, there's a ton of farmers. So there's yeah. a farmer's market link on our website okay. that shows specifically where we are, Um and when we'll be there.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for taking the time to talk to us today. And uh, we will talk to you soon.
1: Okay, thanks.
0: This podcast is a sweatlife.com production, and it's another thing that's better with friends. So please share it with yours. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a chance to leave us a rating or a review while you're there, we would truly appreciate it. Special thanks to Jay Mano for our theme music, to our guest this week, Ryan Horwath, thanks to Ryan Deffitt for editing, and of course, an extra special thanks to you, our listeners.